What's going on, guys? James Camacho here. This is Kicking It With Camacho for all you foot fetish people out there. Um, real quick, August 10th, Comic Strip Live. Come to the special taping, New York City. You already know it. If you haven't gotten your tickets already, frick you, man. Frick you, dude. You scumbag piece of shizzle. I'm not cursing on purpose. I'm trying to be a clean Christian comic now. No. Um, yes. Listen, I'm kidding. All right. If you don't live in New York, I don't expect you to come fly out. But if you know anyone in New York, um, tell them to come to the special taping August 10th. I'm uh, I'm getting more and more excited about the material, man. As I'm working on it, doing rewrites, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. So Asian. I talk so much of math. Um, I'm getting really excited about it, and um, I'd love for you to come, be a part of it, and if you can't, if you live in uh, Guam, or Nam, or Australia, or whatever the fuck, um, ah, I curse, damn it, damn it, damn it, I'm a heathen, I will, um, I'll have it, you know, it'll be up on the, on the YouTube at some point, so anyways, yeah, so jamescamacho.com for tickets for the special taping, um, and also tour dates, this weekend, I am in uh, Austin tonight. Is it a good idea that I release the podcast on Saturday? You know, because when you hear it, the plugs don't really, you know, don't really mean shit because you probably have plans already on a Saturday. I don't know. I like putting it out on Saturday, though, because, you know, it's kicking in with Camacho. And what do you do on the weekends? You kick it, you know? Hmm. Anyways. Who gives a shit? So if you are in Austin, Texas, I'm going to be at Roscoe's Comedy Club tonight. Get your tickets. I'm sure it's not sold out because uh, no one knows who I am. And um, if next weekend you're around Hartford, Connecticut, I'll be doing the City Steam um, Brewery Comedy Club August 3rd, 4th. And then um, I think those shows are kind of like my last long set cracks at the hour. Um, I'll probably try to arrange something the week after. Let me see what my schedule looks like. Yeah, from August. Oh, no, August 4 5 is uh, Hartford, Connecticut. So, yeah, August 6 to 9, I got, I got, I'm going to try to, I'll probably try to piece together some uh, run of the material. But, anyways, yeah, so um, Hartford, Connecticut, August 4 5, and then I'm going to be in LA, San Diego, August 20th. And then August, uh, and then um, I'm off the road for a little bit. And then I go to Louisville, Indianapolis, Summit City. Where the hell is Summit City? Oh, I got to email the booker about that. Hold on, guys. Do you mind if I check something real quick? I know this is bad podcasting, but I um, if I don't check this now, it's going to be eating at my uh, testicles. Okay, it's not even up yet. But anyway, September 17th was supposed to be in Summit City Comedy Club, which is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I got a message to Booker about that. And then um, November, we have Dallas. December, Washington, D.C. Tour dates, jamescamacho.com. Also coming to Vegas. Yada, yada, yada. Bada, bada, bada. Um, how you guys doing? You guys doing good? I'm doing pretty well. Um, so right now, I am uh, in bed. I'm a, I'm a lazy POS. I work from home. I work from my bed. No, I'm actually visiting my parents um, in Jersey. This is not my childhood bed. This is like 
the guest room kind of uh, additional bed we have here. And um, yeah, I'm visiting my parents in Dirty Jersey. Um, parents are getting a little uh, little brittle, and uh, they're all they're expiring. So I've been uh, helping them a little bit, and um, you know, being being a charitable James, you know, being a selfless James. It's really hard for comedians to be um, selfless, you know, because it's just a selfish art form by itself. We write our own jokes, and then we get up there by ourselves. You know, a lot of us have to book ourselves. And, um, yeah. The most selfish thing is, like, when you're starting comedy and you're doing open mics. And, like, like in New York, you can do, like, five open mics a night, right? So what you got to do is you got to, like, finagle your way at these open mics. Like, you have to go up early, sign up early, you know, because, like, an 8 o'clock open mic in New York City, like, the sign-up list will start, like, at 5 p.m., and then you'll have, like, fucking 37 comics come at 5 p.m. to sign up. So what you got to do is you got to be selfish. You got to go up there early, or you got to have a friend put you on the list, and then you got to go on. You got to fucking, um, you know, beg the host, slide them maybe a couple dollars to put you on first so you can get to your next open mic on time, do that open mic, and then also, you know, then you got to go to your next open mic, ask to go on early, and then bump people so you can get to your next open mic. And it's just like, it's just like, you know, it's just all about me. It's me, 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 me. Meanwhile, you're not watching anyone's set. You know, when you're open micing in the city, you're just getting on and you're fucking leaving. So there's nothing more selfish than that. You know, going to a place, being like, I need to go on now. And then once you do go on, you go, fuck everyone. I don't give a shit about your dreams. So yeah, it's hard for comedians to be uh, selfless. But I'm I'm being selfless. I'm out here in Jersey, and um, yeah. So this is like the bed. We got smush right here. How you doing, smush smush? We got my custom uh, uh, Camacho dunks, and we got um we got my hat here. So let me tell you about this. This is just a plain um, white fitted Yankee cap from high school, and uh, if you look on the back. Um, for the podcast listeners, um, it's a white Yankee fitted cap, and on the back, it's customized with the words "wasted" on it. That's how much of an alcoholic I was in high school. Me and my buddies all got matching hats, um, like whatever white Yankee hat, black Yankee hat, whatever. We got matching Yankee hats, and then we got the words "wasted" on the back of it. <laughs> And then we wore it around and got blacked out drunk all the time. That's how much of a degenerate I was in high school. But yeah, I'm visiting my parents, and I, I saw this hat. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's right, man. And, like, you know, I'm just a kid. I'm still I'm a child at heart. I still want to wear it, but, like, literally it's too small. Like, I'm going to put it on now, and, like, you see, like, it, it, it can't even. Like, it covers, like, the top of my head, like a, like a fucking, like a fucking extra small condom on a big Puerto Rican penis, you know? So it's just like barely, barely over the head of my head, top of my head. And it's a shame because like I would still wear this. It wouldn't be a good look though, I feel like. If like uh, as a fucking 30-year-old male with a white Yankee cap that says wasted on it, I don't think a lot of people would be, uh, respect me, you know? I don't think a lot of ladies would be like, that guy... That guy's got his shit together, you know? Anyways, 
So I'm back here in my childhood home. Um, last weekend, I was in the, the sunshine state of mommy. And um, let me tell you this. Um, no, not sunshine state of Miami. Sunshine state of Florida, but I was in Miami. And I didn't know the traffic lights in the... Anyone from Florida can, can, can back me up on this, right? The lights in Florida are fucking long as shit, dude. Like, you know... I you know New York traffic's bad, but bad in a, in a different way. Like New York traffic, it's like it's so congested. Like you'll have six hundred eighty-seven cars in like one block. Like it will take you literally like an hour and a half to go one block in New York City. But Florida, it's like you know you have like these you know big four-lane highways, and then uh, you just have all these like strip strip malls on the sides, just constant strip mall after strip mall after strip mall, and like it's just annoying because one like every light. Like if you get stopped, if you if you hit a red light, I mean it's like at least five minutes, five minutes of just fucking, maybe even more, dude, maybe even a little more, and then like, you know, if you're on like the exit lane on on these highways, like you'll be going like 50, 60 miles an hour, and then people will just like because they want to exit into the strip malls so they can fucking, you know, go to their smoke shop, get their nails painted, get their hand job massages, like they'll just exit, like like they'll just slow down and like exit out of nowhere so like you'll be going 60 and then you gotta fucking like slow down you gotta be hyper aware you know and like in the northeast like you know i'm in jersey it's like i i like the traffic lights are maybe like two minutes two minutes each and uh there's not that many strip malls right like i mean i i grew up in like i'm in the suburbs here so yeah not many people just exiting randomly out of nowhere you know and then you're just fucking driving if the fucking hit your hit the brakes real quick you know so yeah, it's literally fucking. Um, I don't know why it's so long. I don't know if that's. I don't know why Florida. I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. You know, maybe it's for so people have time to finish their fucking beers <laughs> and throw them out the window before they keep going. But yeah, Florida is. Um, Florida's a wild place, man. You know, something about it just oozes like I don't give a fuck. You know, it's just people literally. You know, it's like people move out there to either retire or, like, live in nice weather, you know. So they're kind of moving out there with, like, this mindset of, like, you know, I'm going to live out the rest of my life, like, happy, you know. Like, New York, everyone's so fucking bitter and trying to make it and so, like, goal-oriented, which is great. But, like, is there anything less fun than a motivated person, you know? Like, is there anything less fun than someone that's just, like, I'm going to fucking work, you know, all day, all night, achieve my goal, step over, I got to step over, give me cocaine, you know? Is there anything less fun than that, right? You're trying to eat with them, start a conversation, they're on their phone, checking their fucking email. That's New York, right? Everyone's so important. Oh, I moved out here because I have a dream. It's like, everyone's got a fucking dream, dude. No one gives a shit about yours, okay? You're just another douche. But when you go to Florida, you're like, I'm out here to fucking chill. I'm out here to, like, it's like bathe in the sun, get tan. And I'm going to say this. This might be controversial. I don't know if it's that controversial, but the people, the humans, the the XY and the XX chromosomes and the, the trans and whatever, whatever people in uh, Florida, w- way better looking than anywhere else in the country, I think, you know? Like, in L.A., I guess you have, like, models and stuff and actresses that are, like, you know, you know, pretty good looking. 
But, like, I'm telling you, man, in Miami, and not just Miami, like, Boca or, like, Fort Lauderdale or, like, you know, West Palm, like, the like the girls and the guys have just fucking perfect bodies. Like, the girls are just fucking perfect bodies, big booties, tan. Like, they're always just in bikini. Their bodies are in bikini mode all the time. Just gorgeous, gorgeous ladies, man. And then the dudes are all fucking tan and jacked and ripped because, like, I feel like with the pressure, you know, with the nice weather, the the, the 24-7, 365, 12 months out of the year, beach season, you got to stay in, like, tip-top shape, you know? So all these people are just fucking gorgeous, man. And I got to admit, dude, in New York, um, we got a lot of -of out-of-shape people there, you know? Which is interesting because you got to walk in New York, so you're always, like, burning calories. But, like, I feel like people in New York... Um, maybe they're too busy to work out or they feel like they don't have to work out because it's fucking freezing like 60%, 70% of the, of the year. Right. So you could just cover up with coats and shit, man. But like, dude, yeah, it's just like people in New York are like, uh, you know, a lot you know, the dudes out there are fucking no, no dude. Every dude, I don't know what guys are doing in New York. Like there's not that many Jack dudes. It's all just like, everyone's like skinny and scrawny tiny arms like uh what do they do maybe they do like resistance training like i don't know what the fuck like, there's no like jacked strong dudes you know you don't get a lot of dudes with like like ripped abs or anything and then the girls in new york they're all just like you know this is gonna sound pretty uh shallow and, and gross and uh douchey but it's like like Everyone's a, got they got an extra little weight on them, you know, and uh, I I just think it's like there's no there's there, that pressure of being in beach beach ready all the time is not there, you know. I mean the beaches in New York are disgusting to begin with, you know. You go to the what is it Rockaway Beach? It's like there's crime. The beaches are like you know just the the, the water is fucking green, and then like the sand has glass shards in it and and Lucy's and just fucking you know methamphetamine and teeth and just just it's just horrible you know so yeah the people in miami are just fucking gorgeous like like i think i'm a good looking guy in new york because i'm in shape and like i work out and i'm a handsome dude but then i go to fucking um south florida i'm like oh god i'm just i'm a fucking troll compared to everyone here you know yeah man it's just the level of hotness is ridiculous you know it really is like when you're being around hot people is, it's, 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 do you ever get used to it, you know? I guess you got to ask like a, like a, like a celebrity, like Pete Davidson. I'm sure he's used to it, you know? But I just never get comfortable around really hot people. It's just like, it's like, it's like a constant thing in your head. Like, fuck, you're gorgeous. Fuck, you're gorgeous. Fuck, you're gorgeous. Like, you know? Do you ever get used to it? Maybe I just, maybe I got to hang around more hot people. Yeah. Anyways, so went to Florida. Um, I went for a few things. I went to do some shows in uh, Miami at the Comedy Inn. Great club, by the way. Great club on so many levels, man. I went to do a show in uh, Fort Lauderdale at this nice uh, little pizzeria place that I've done before. Uh, my second time doing it. Very fun. And then I also did... Uh, appearance on NBC six South Florida Florida yeah 
I have uh, I was fortunate enough to get a little bit of time on NBC South Florida to promote my comedy special Mutt, um, which I'm recording August 10th. Comic strip live. Get your tickets. JamesComancher.com. But yeah, man, it's uh, it, it's a pretty uh, crazy thing, man. It's just another one of those career things where you're just like, man, if I told my young whatever teen self that I was gonna be on NBC, um. I wouldn't believe it, you know? It's like, I, I was such a low self-esteem kid. Like, I would never think I was capable of doing something that fucking cool, you know? But yeah, I did this, um... I have a publicist, and they got me, um... You know, they got me some some pretty cool write-ups and some, uh... Some articles, you know? But this was the big one. This is the big one. This, um television appearance this is what this is where you're this is really why you hire a publicist for you know of course you want to be in write-ups you want to be in journals you know but come on let's face it who the fuck reads who the fuck reads anymore so you really want your publicist to get you on nbc like whatever uh cbs fox e like all these kind of you know uh media outlets right like new like visual outlets so i uh i get it I get the NBC thing, so I, I fly in. So, okay, let me just take you through the whole trip of Florida real quick. So, I um, are we recording here? All right, I'm so anxious. Um, so I fly into Florida first night. I'm doing a Fort Lauderdale gig, right? And uh, let me give a credit to Delta Airlines, by the way. My flights to Florida and my flights back from Florida, all perfect, all on time, all super early. And all I see on the news is, like, fucking United Airlines canceling flights, American Airlines fucking throwing people off the plane, you know, fucking Spirit Airlines molesting passengers. It, it, it's just, like, I don't know. I'm having a pretty chilly... I even like... I like going to the airport now. I go three hours early because I get to the Delta Lounge, right? So I get fucking free food. I get, like, drinks. I get to feel like an aristocrat. I got TSA pre-check, so I go... It takes me, like... 10 minutes to get through security. 10 minutes. It's, fuck, I, I love going to the airport now. Um, and now the flights are on time. This is fucking great. I'm jinxing myself. I bet you I fly, um, when I fly Friday to go to Austin, it's going to be delayed. I'm going to get molested. Anyways, so, fly into Florida. Flights are fucking perfect, right? And I'm staying in Miami. Drop my shit down. Go work out. Because I'm a gym rat, and I got to keep up with all the South Florida hotties. Um, go drive to do this gig in, uh, Fort Lauderdale at this pizzeria called Blue Steel Pizza. Um, it was, uh, it was, a uh, it was an interesting gig, um, because, uh, it was like, it was one of those crowds that were like, it's one of those shows where you're almost just like, I can't believe they let us do comedy here, you know? Because it's literally a, an active pizzeria, Right? And, like, a fancy pizza. Like, it's not, like, just, like, you know, oh, give me a slice of uh, pepperoni. Give me a slice of, uh, I don't know, uh, plain. It's, like, this fancy-style pizza. Like, it's, like, deep-dish pizza, but, like, like fancy, right? And they're the, the pizzas were delicious, by the way. But anyways, so it's, like, a rest, it's like, it's like, it's like a fancy restaurant. Like, you got these uh, servers coming in. Like, yo, what kind of pizza do you want, right? Do you want the artisanal pizza, whatever the fuck? And then you have this nice bar. They're serving fancy cocktails. And, like, as, a sh- as you know, just imagine, like, a restaurant, right? A restaurant with tables and, like, nice dining and shit. And just imagine a person on on, on one side just t- talking about dick jokes 
and fucking gays and like you know like that's literally what was happening it's like these people were here to have dinner at this nice upper scale kind of place and then there's just a comedian on stage talking about why like you know you know he jerks off the black mirror or something you know it's just like it's just like a weird atmosphere and first couple comics go up and it's just it's just weird because like these comics were all they're they're like you know they're they're funny and they're trying edgy material and like dark humor and it's just like it's just like the crowd's just kind of like, dude, we're eating here. Like, what the fuck? And, like, they're half enjoying it, but kind of half, like, what the fuck, right? So, gig's a little weird. I'm sitting in the back kind of being like, oh, God, it's going to be one of those sets where, like, yeah, I'm going to have to be pulling teeth and shit, man. And um, it's like you start getting a little bit upset because, like, the comics going on earlier are doing, like, five, ten minutes, right? And then when the crowd's bad... Like, that sounds good. Like, when the crowd's bad, you go, okay, I do 510, I fucking bomb, I get off, no sweat. But when you have to headline the show, it's not just like, all right, I'll just go up there and fucking bomb. It's like, no, it's like, I, this, like I'm here, I'm going to be up there for a prolonged period of time. And, you know, it's easy to get through five minutes of just, n- of, of, of shit, you know, but like 30 minutes, 40 minutes of shit, I leave a scar, you know? So, I'm like, Racing for the worst, right? But then this guy goes on before me, and I forget the guy's name, but he was fucking hilarious, dude. Like, like he was so likable, and he was, like, doing all these hilarious bits that were also mixed with, like, local humor, right? So he's he, he actually gets the crowd going, and he's fucking killing, right? And he's killing to the point where, like, I'm, like, a little nervous, right? And, um... Like, they just love him so much, and he's doing all these local shit, and, like, in my mind, I'm like, god damn it, like, I'm not likable, I, I, I'm i not from here, I just flew in today, I know nothing about the town, I know nothing about anything, and I'm, like, starting to shake in my boots a little bit, right? This guy kills, gets on, and he, like, he kills so hard that when he gets off, and he goes, alright, good night, everyone, my name is, uh, whatever the fuck my name is, like, people are going, like, oh, 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 no, oh, you know, like, people are like, don't go, don't go, and I'm just like, ah, dude, like, Let's just end the show right now. Like, these people are, like, like you know, he's getting off stage and people are, like, grabbing his shirt. Oh, what's your name? Oh, what's my name? Oh, no, don't go. Oh, no. And I'm just like, fuck, dude. Fuck. Right? And, um, like, I'm still, like, I don't know. I'm still, like, new in comedy in terms of, like, I'm still new at, like, headlining and, like, um, you know, I'm still kind of, like, getting my footing as, like, a professional, confident comedian that I still get a little nervous when guys like this kill you know but um I'm a professional I'm a professional and I went up there and um I fucking rode the wave I rode the wave I got up there I did some like you know whatever fucking riffing I could think of right bullshit went into my material and um it you know got my first pops then I got a big pop and next thing you know we're off to the races man and it was a great fun time and uh, it's always fun when, like, you go into a show and you're like, God damn it, I hate my life. But then it ends up being great, you know? So that's that's Fort Lauderdale, night one. I get in my uh, rental car. I go back. And now it's uh, Friday, and this is the day of the NBC taping, right? So I get up, and um, what's the first thing I do? I get up early, and I do I work out? No, I don't work out. So I just get up early, and um, I just kind of, like... 
I go over like the talking points for the interview. So I'm talking about the special. I'm talking about being mixed race in comedy, and I'm like talking about social media uh, following, right? How to you know get big on social media. So those are kind of the talking points I had with my publicist, and um, you know. My publicist was just saying, like, you know, when you do these interviews, like, he was giving me these tips that were pretty interesting. Like, he's like, all right, so when you, like, get asked a question, what you want to do is, like, repeat the question before you answer, you know? Which kind of make, which, you know, which is kind of like, uh, it sounds weird. Like, if you know, like, like, you, all these things he was telling me to do, like, only work if you're doing, like, a interview, you know? Like, if you were just talking to someone, like, in real life, you would sound like a complete psychopath, you know what I mean? Like, if you do, like, a TV interview, someone's like, so, what made you get into comedy? And then you go, well, what made me get into comedy was XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. On TV, it looks totally, like, normal, right? But imagine if you're talking to someone in person, like, one-on-one, like, just, in, you know, off camera, just, in, like, at a, at a ca- coffee shop, you know? And you're just like, what did you, uh, why'd you get into comedy? And you're like, well, I got into comedy because it's like, all right, dude, like, what do you, what do you think you are, God, huh? What do you think, you're the almighty Zeus? Jesus, man. What made me get into comedy was... No, like in a normal conversation, you just go, yeah, I was, you know, I was a loser. I had no other skills, and I, I thought I was funny, and I tried it, and then um, I had nothing else going on, so I kept with it. So, yeah, so he's giving me all these, like, talking points, and, like, he's saying, like, just get to the point. Just get to the point of this taping. Don't babble on, which is good advice because I think um, I did some sports talk show once. And we had all these talking points I talked to the producers with about, like, the New York Giants, the Seattle Mariners. And I get on there, and, like, whatever first question they ask me, like, how you doing? And my response, like, I'm just, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a genuine dude, you know? Like, like I like to be um, casual, authentic. I don't want to force anything in conversation. I like kind of, like, talking to people, filling them out, and listening, you know? So we just babbled on about my day or about, like, what I ate for dinner or some shit, you know? And then, like, by the time we actually got into sports talk, they were like, well, that's the end of the segment. Goodbye, James. We're out of time. I was like, fuck, dude. I didn't get to anything. So my advice for anyone that's any, – if you're doing any, like, TV interview or whatever, you always just, like, want to get to the point of what you're going to – what you came in to talk about, right? So – um, my publicist says, like, you know, just just talk about the interview. Talk about the interview. Uh, not the interview. Uh, the special taping. Just get right into the special taping as soon as you get up there. I'm like, okay, cool. So I wake up. I drive to the studio. Uh, big gate. Big gate with NBC on it. I drive up, and they're like, you know, TV always feels intimidating, right? Like, when you pull up to, like, a studio or anything, right? Like, there's always some big, scary bodyguard that's like, Who the, what the fuck are you doing here, right? They, The moment you, you walk in, they fucking grab you by the shirt. They put your hands behind your back. And like, what the fuck? You, what the fuck? Right? You're like, God damn it, Jesus Christ. I just fucking. So I uh, I get to the gate, and I hit the intercom thing. And, uh, you know, they're, they're always terrified. Like, they're so secret and so intense, right? They're like, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, I'm James Camacho. Like, uh, I'm here to do an interview. And uh, surprisingly, they were very nice. They're like, oh, okay, come in. So they buzz me in. I go in. I park. And I um, I walk up, and this lady greets me. I forget her name. I got to start remembering names. But she greets me, and, uh, you know, she gives me a rundown of, like, what's going to happen. And we do some, like, social media stuff, um, like, quick, like, you know, Q&A type of things on, like, reels or stories or whatever. And then uh, 
Yeah, it 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 was really chill. Like uh, like I did they, they then they threw me into a green room, and I kind of just sat there in my thoughts, you know, just thinking like, all right, um, you're worthy. <laughs> That's literally what I was. I was sitting in the green room, being like, you can do this. You're worthy. You won't fuck up, right? Then you start looking in the mirror in the green room, and you just start noticing every imperfection. You know, I'm like my hair is like, oh god, like what the fuck is that? Right? You you look at your jeans. Oh, why is it fitting like that? Like I look fat. Like just everything is just like you know telling you. Then your fucking childhood trauma kicks in. You're like, who the fuck do you think you are, NPC? What the fuck? You you're talking about this? Like no one gives a fuck, right? So you have all this self doubt. Then the the interview lady comes in. Boy, I wish I knew. I wish I was smarter with words. The interview lady comes in. Anchor? Anchoress? Anchoress? What do you call a female anchor? Is it just anchor? Let's see. Come on. Help me out here. My MacBook Pro. Female anchor. Is it just called female anchor? First thing that comes up. Hottest news anchors in the world. Yeah, I guess there's uh, there's no there's no anchoress or anchress. God, I'm so stupid. Oh man, I'm gonna lose a job one day. Not because I'm I'm offensive. It's because I'm so stupid. You know, I'm some some. I'm gonna be casted to do some movie. They're gonna go back and see this. Did he just say female anchors are anxtresses? We we got it. We we got it. We gotta let him go. We gotta let him go. This fucking stupid Kamach, bro. <laughs> Anyways, so I uh. The lady comes in, right? She's gorgeous, right? Gorgeous. So much makeup. Like, I'm starting to realize, like, when you do film and TV, you you don't look real. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's so caked up. And I, I'm not just talking about the girls or the gender fluids. Even the dudes, like, they have this just so much makeup on. Like, they look like porcelain dolls, you know? Like, this girl was beautiful. Like, she was, like, younger than me. She's, like, in her late 20s. And she the fucking, like... Just so much makeup, and, like, I hope she's not listening and doesn't take this the wrong way, but it's just, like, like any TV thing I've done, like, people are just fucking caked the fuck up. And, like, when you look on, on TV and the screen, it looks great. It looks totally normal. But, um, yeah, in real life, it just it just looks baffling. It's just, like, almost like a filter, you know? But it's weird. But then, you know, in the reverse, it's crazy, because, like, if you go on TV with no makeup, um, you look horrible. You know, so like, I, I guess it makes sense. But so, yeah, so she greets me. She's super cool, man. Like, you know, she was telling me like, you know, she was she it's it, she was telling me that like, um, you know, she just got this uh, job at NBC, which is fucking huge, man. If, you know, to be like a uh, an anchor on NBC, that's huge. And she said just like a few months ago, she was like doing like these uh, spots at like bars, like just hosting for like like small events like you know she like go like going these sport bars with microphones and being like interviewing like drunk uh you know hockey fans like what they thought about the team and they're like they're spitting on her probably and like dropping their beer on her and she's just like doing she's like in the parking lot at tailgates right trying to get some fucking public access like tv interview you know so she was like uh like that was her open mic bar show and she did that for a long time and then, you know, this position opened up, she applied, they thought she was qualified, and she, she got it, man. It was, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see, like, where everyone starts in all these media professions, you know? It's like, yeah, like, if you're an anchor at, like, NBC, CNN, whatever, it's like, you do some shit gigs before that, you know? 
You know, you're just just you're just some you know, we like Gail Weathers. You know, you're fucking, <laughs> you fucking got some fat dude with a camera following you around, and you got some fucking, you know, a little pretend microphone going up to people, and you're trying to like tape it. You send it to people, you know, trying to trying to um make it in the industry, right? Um, but yeah, she was cool, and um, uh, we met, um, super gorgeous, um. Another one, another so hot, you're, like, talking to, and that's, like, it's so hard not to, like, fucking think about that, you know? But anyway, she's super cool, um, super chill. I'd love, love to get a beer with her. I feel like she'd be a good hang. But, yeah, so, um, you know, she goes off to do the segments, and um, I sit in the green room and just more denial, more, like, who are you? You don't belong here. You're, you're, you're a piece of shit. Your dad never said hello. And then finally get called in, and, like, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny because, like, you know, the whole time I'm having all this self-doubt. But, like, the moment you get called up and, like, you're, like, outside the studio and you're, like, about to walk in. For me, like, all this stuff kind of dissipates because, like, in a weird way, it's, like, there you have now you have no chance to, like, there's no opportunity now to, like, back away or be nervous, you know? So I get calm and collected. I go into the little the set, which is which is fun, too. Oh, I didn't mention this. Like, I'm walking around NBC, right? And then, like, you see all these, like, set pieces for, like, their cooking show or for, like, their, uh, I, I don't know, like, uh, whatever, business show, right? Or their sports segment. And you just, it's funny because, like, you're just looking in these little, like, you're in this office building and you, like, look into these rooms that could be offices and they're just set designs, in like these little buildings, like they're not even big, like they're the, like the size of like a regular, like whatever regular bedroom, you know. And but it's just all done up to look like um, the studio set, and then like obviously they film it where you can't see the walls or anything. So, you know, on TV you go, oh look at that huge studio, and then when you see it in person, it's just like it looks like a a room in a dollhouse almost, you know. It's, it's fucking weird. So I get into the the set. Um, there's, and, and, uh, so there's like three pieces. There's like a, a couch, there's like a two couches on one side. On the other side, there's like a desk and the other side, there's like this other thing with a monitor. Right. And then, so she, the lady do that's interviewing, supposed to interview me. She's like fucking running around. Like she's doing a segment behind the desk. And then like they cut to like the, the weather person. She fucking scurries with like, you know, the, the guys with the clipboards and the, and the headsets like, oh, go over here now. We need you over here now. So she runs to the fucking thing in front of the TV. And then she's pointing at the TV doing some other shit. Then she's running back to the desk doing another segment. Then finally, um, they, they go, uh, all right. So next up we have comedian James Camacho. <laughs> and then the I, I could see like they have a monitor where they're seeing like where they show like what's playing on the on the live TV, and they show my stupid fucking headshot, and I see that they're playing the video. You can't hear the sound; you can only see it. And they, I can see they're playing the video, and like it's in that moment. I wish I had like a legitimate like late night set, you know, because I have this set from like this theater I did, but it's still like. Like, the not the best quality video. Like, I think the jokes are good, but the quality's not good. Like, I look... My, my face is super bleached, you know? My hair is a mess. I'm wearing, like, a fucking Affliction shirt. My my pants are all baggy. I'm wearing fucking Travis Scott, like, uh, Jordans, you know? Nothing wrong with the Jordans, but it's just, like, I just look like a fucking schlub, you know? And it's, like, l- low quality. It's, like... When I shot that thing at the, at the, at the theater... 
it was like I went in thinking like, all right, I'm just gonna do a normal, whatever headlining set, no big deal. I think I was getting paid like fifty bucks for that show. So I'm like, fuck, it, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna dress like a fucking douchebag. And then the the only reason I recorded it was because the venue had a recording system, and they were like, do you want us to record your set for like eleven dollars? I'm like, yeah, I'll take twenty percent of what I'm making at this show and give it to you. And then that, and then it ended up being a fucking hot set, right? And they like they had a couple like cuts back and forth. Like they had a guy operating the camera, right? He was live cutting. So that's the footage I use, and I just like I'm watching. I'm like, oh, this looks so horrible, you know? It's like if I was someone watching, whatever, NBC Six, and then someone's like, oh, we have a comedian coming up. I'd be like, oh, interesting. And then it was just some this some fuck this pasty, you know, shitty quality video. Of me talking about being mixed race, I'd be like, yeah, this guy's not that big of a deal, you know? Ah, God. Can someone put... There's no late night shows anymore, you know? What the fuck am I supposed to do? Can someone put me on Fallon? That's my next comedy goal, by the way. I gotta get on Fallon. I gotta get a... I gotta get a legitimate TV set, you know? I did that Kevin Hart thing, but I was driving a fucking... An Escalade while telling jokes to, like, background actors. It's not a real comedy thing. That's my next goal. I'm gonna write it down. I'm writing it down in my goal section. Now... Get TV set. Ugh. Anyways, so, or you know what? Like, I'm taping my specials, so that'll be, like, all, like, uh, that'll look good, you know? That'll be, like, Netflix specs and everything. Yeah, fuck, fuck late night. I'm taking it off my goals list now. I'm doing it myself. DIY! What time are we at? 37 minutes. So, get in, and, uh. You know, there's no amount of preparation you can do that really prepares you for the moment, you know? Like, of course you want to be prepared, and when you're prepared, you feel better, you feel more confident. But, dude, I mean, the segment was 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 quick, man, you know? Like, it literally was like, you know, she goes, ah, so we have James Camacho, comedian. And then she asked me the the first talking point that my publicist sent, which I was prepared for. And literally, I just, I just start answering, and then we just start having a conversation, right? She gets it to the next point, kind of, and then I just, you know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but trying to be normal, right, while trying to get to the talking points, so I got three things rattling around my fucking brain, and, you know, you're just trying to stay focused, you're trying not to fuck up, you're trying to be charming, you're trying to be funny, and literally, the next thing you know, it's, all right, so we gotta wrap up here, and you're just like, what, that's fucking it, it's over, and then it's done. You know, and then she's got another segment to do, so she gets up, she fucking scurries off back to the desk, you know. Oh, so it's the day Tony Bennett died too, so she's like, you know, she's running, oh Tony Bennett, blah blah blah. So that was it, man. It was quicker it's quicker than me in bed, you know? And uh it was weird because like it, 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 it it's like you prepare, you anticipate, and then you have all this adrenaline, you're nervous, you're in the green room being like, Why, 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 why didn't my fucking dad talk to me? And then it's over. It's like it's so quick, man. You know? And um, I feel like I did okay. Like I feel like I was likable and like normal. That's what I feel like. I was like a – I didn't feel like I was – I didn't. I feel like I didn't embarrass myself, you know? And I call my publicist and he goes, I'll give you an A-. minus. You know, you have some things you could, you could work on. It's your first time. You'll get used to it. No big deal. So I feel pretty good about that. And then – you know, obviously, he's like, you know, you got to be a publicity whore. Go post it on social media. So I posted on social media. And, man, I just want to say thank you to everyone that liked 
the post. It got like a thousand likes, which is a, a lot for me. And then all the love and the adulation and uh, is adulation is that the right word? Adulation. I'm tr- I don't know why I keep trying to use big words. Um, yeah, adulation, excessive admiration or praise. Um, I appreciate all the love, man, on the post, all the comments. It's super nice, and uh, yeah, it's 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 super exciting. And um, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, man. I'm sorry. Sometimes, like, I, I just, like, uh, it isn't until I babble on about it on this podcast, you know, where, like, I'm not surrounded by my phone or other things or worried about, like, you know, going to work or, like, making it that I can, like, really appreciate that. Holy fuck, man. This fucking half Chinese, half Puerto Rican kid from Edison, New Jersey was, uh, was on NBC, you know? I've done some shows on CBS. Uh, Kevin Hart said my name once. Jay-Z yelled at me once. It's pretty cool. I got my own custom sneakers. Anyways, oh, we have an unboxing too, by the way. I forgot to mention that. All right, so, yeah, so we do the taping, and then uh, that's done. So that's the real reason I came for my My publicist was like, you know, I got this thing in Miami for you. You think you can make it work? And I was like, yes. So I got the thing. We booked the NBC thing, and then I reached out to this, uh, my boy Mike at the Comedy Inn, who runs, I think, one of the best clubs in the country. It's funny how, like, some of the best clubs in the country are, are in Florida. Like, Side Splitters, one of the best clubs in the country. Comedy Inn, one of the best clubs in the country. And, dude, when I mean this is one of the best clubs in the country, I don't mean, like, in terms of, like, I just mean in terms of comedy, man. In terms of, like, it's real, it's a real comedy club. Like, it's not an improv or a funny bone, which is in a mall, gigantic, state-of-the-art, beautiful, high ceilings, sweet brick wall, this, that, nice food, um, nice cocktails. No. It's literally in the fucking, uh, it's in a room. It's in, like, the meeting room at a hotel, and this, like, little, little box is, like, the best comedy club in the world. Like, it's just Everything's blacked out, so you just like this long black curtain. All the walls are black. There's like one little disco ball, I think. I think it's like a disco ball on top, and then like a big spotlight that goes into this huge black curtain. And there's just seats. There's no tables. There's a bar that serves beer. It's open bar too, so people are there to turn the fuck up. And dude, like the thing that's great about this place is that it's a fucking kill box, man. It's like it's tight. It's intimate. Low ceiling, so when you're on fire there, you're just on fucking fire, man. It's like literally this box, like it's just shaking. Just, just, just a box in the middle of South Florida, just fucking shaking. And the best thing is, like, they don't advertise. It's a secret. It's like a speakeasy comedy club. Like the only what you have to get invited to to the shows. Like basically, you either need to know someone that brings you along. Or you go on the website and you have to sign up for their email list and then they'll do an email blast when they have shows. And it's so it's such a great idea because it's a small club. It maybe seats like 90 to 100 people. But it's like, you know, everyone in there because they're from the email list or they're referred from a friend, like, are they repeat customers? Like, you know they're there for comedy and to have a good time in their fans, you know? There's too many clubs 
They fucking give out free tickets. They don't give a shit about the quality of the people coming. Like, people come in for just for the free ticket, or they come in for a free meal, or they come in, they don't know who the, what comedian's on stage, right? And they're just shit audiences. But the people here love comedy, and they get it, man. And I know this may sound controversial, and this may lose me a job in the future on some network, but, like, the amount of inappropriate, cancelable things that were said in that room that weekend, you know? Not for me. There was a there's other comedians on the show, but like the R word was dropped, the F word was dropped, and it's just like, every, not a single person was offended. You know, saying horrible jokes about just 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 you know, not horrible, good jokes, good jokes about edgy, dark topics and like things that like could get you canceled. It's like, oh man, I'm having more reminders. I gotta sorry guys, I gotta remind myself of something. Um, man, I am the worst podcaster. Um. I got to get the video for my set this weekend. Um, But anyways, so, yeah, it's just like a it's a comedy heaven, man. No one gets offended. Everyone's on board with your weird ideas, your weird topics. And it is just like when you're up there, it's just fun, man. It's that open bar party Florida atmosphere. Now, it can get a, like sometimes people get, get a little bit too crazy. You know, like sometimes people like uh, get too drunk there and they heckle. But like the heckles. As annoying as they are, they're like love heckles, you know? They're like, we're having such a good time, ah, you know? But most of the shows there, everyone is just such great comedy fans, good listeners. You can do your bits. You can do your act. And I just want to say, man, the Comedy Inn is uh, one of my favorite places to perform at, and it's a hard club to get into. And um, it's funny because, like, I was in Fort Lauderdale, right? which is about an hour outside of Miami, and I was telling these comics, oh, I'm at the Comedy Inn, and they're just like, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of that. What, what's what's the Comedy Inn? You know? And then there was one Miami comic who saw saw me that was going to be there. He tagged along. He ended up getting a spot on the show, and he fucking murdered. And he was like, dude, like I've always wanted to perform here. I've heard such good things. Like, Well, it's like I've heard, I haven't heard a lot because it's so secretive, but I've only heard it's the best, you know? And like, uh, yeah, so if you're in South Florida, go to ComedyIn.com, Comedy I-N-N, sign up for the email list, go to a show, and they, the, like, comedians know, like, they get some pretty, they they only, that's another thing too, like, the integrity, you have to be a killer to work there, you have to be funny, there's no, they don't book anyone that's not funny, because one, they're not dependent on the comedians to sell out. They have, like, their email list, and they sell it by themselves. So they just only care about the quality of the comedian. So you're always going to have a good show. I know Pete Davidson has done shows there. Andrew Schultz has done there. Aaron Berg recorded, like, a special an album there. And uh, Nick Griffin goes there. And, like, these are, these are literally the funniest human beings in the world. You know, Mike Vecchione. So one of the best clubs in the world, Comedy Inn in uh, Miami. Go check it out. Thanks for having me at that club, guys. Um... I feel lucky to be in, I-N-N, you know what I mean? Anyways, so, yeah, and then uh, we do the, I do three shows at the Comedy Inn. Um, my last show, I was in my head a little bit. I had some, I got some bad news, and I was a little bit fucked up, but, you know, I got through it. And then, uh, yeah, it was a great time, man. And then we flew back on Sunday, no issues with the flights, came home, and got, got some stuff from New York, and then um, came to Jersey to to hang out with my parents so yeah that was my comedy miami weekend and um 
It was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. It was definitely better than fucking Barbieheimer, right? Barbieheimer. I want to see Oppenheimer. I have no interest for Barbie, but Oppenheimer I want to see. It's three hours long, but that guy Christopher Nolan, man. It's pretty wild how, like, um, whenever Christopher Nolan makes a movie, you know it. You know it's going to be good, you know? It's like James Cameron. Like, you just put your name, their name on it. You're like, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is, yeah, yeah. Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino are like that. Like, yeah, you know. You know it's going to be. That's where I want to get into my career, where just my name sells alone, you know? Because, uh, you know, you have to be such a whore in show business, right? Like, if you're trying to promote something that and no one knows who you are, you got to be like, well, this is me. This is what I do. This is the yada. That's the blah. This is the premise. This is the point. This is the blah, blah, blah. You just want to get to a point where people are like, we trust your artistic direction and your creative mind. Just put your fucking name on it, you know? I really one day, like, I'm even thinking about, like, the album. Oh, Jesus. I'm thinking about the album. Not album. The the cover photo or the cover art for my special. And I just, I literally, I hate this whole thing where, like, oh, we got to make it fancy. We got to do a photo shoot. And we got to put your name and this and what it's about and everything on here. And just, it just ends up being just this fucking rainbow of nobody gives a shit, you know? And I really just, I want to go the opposite. I want to just have a, like a, like a, like a like Kanye with fucking uh, Donda, right? Wasn't the Donda album cover just a fucking black a black thing, right? Let me see what the Donda is. It Donda or Donda? Donda album cover. The Donda album cover. Oh, it's. I guess there's a couple album. Co- there's there is one album cover where it's like. It looks like three orange figures going to a sun. But if you go on Donda on um, Wikipedia, it says the the album cover is just a black square, you know? And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I, I would love to be at that position where it's just like, okay, this person made it. Let's just fucking go see it, right? Just the title of the thing. Like, you know, the, the special coming out is going to be called Mutt. I just want to have Mutt. I really want to have like a, an emoji of a dog. That's it. But, you know, I'm sure, like, the producers or whoever are going to tell me it's a bad idea and shit. But sometimes you got to just trust your creative direction, you know. It's not really creative, though. It's just a fucking mud. That's like that's probably the opposite of creativity. It's probably laziness. But I don't know. I like simplicity, you know. Like, it's like, you know, with the comedy flyers, right? You always go, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to Austin. Let me make a flyer. Let me make something funny. Let me. And, like, dude, like, I don't know what it. I don't. I, I, it. Like you know, I'll 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 pay flyer people to make these exquisite flyers. No one even gives a shit. Like unless you're in Austin, you might like it because you're in Austin. You're gonna come to the show, but like very few people like see that because it doesn't apply to them. You know, like if you're one of my followers in fucking Nam or whatever Guam or Baghdad. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm going fucking these Middle Eastern countries. But if you're one of these guys, like you're not you're not gonna see my flyer as funny as it could be. And seats in Austin, it doesn't apply to you. You're just not going to be into it, you know. So I'm just starting to make like now when I make flyers, I just make sure that I just try to just put information on there. That's it. I don't give a fuck anymore. Anyways, I'm babbling on about nothing. Anyways, so that's that's the point I want to get to my career where I just go, I have a thing, and then people go, got to see it, you know. Same thing with like Chappelle stuff is like Chappelle could put out anything. Like, the cover art, it could be anything. It doesn't fucking matter. You know, people are going to watch it. 
if you go to like his Instagram, right? Isn't like the, he has like some of these specials or like these these things he drops, and like usually the the photo or what are the first image you see on like the the profile grids on Instagram will just be a black thing, right? Or just like the name of the city. You open it up, there's no caption, no hashtags. Fuck all that, man. It's the name that sells. It's the name. Anyways, all right. So, um. I'm ex- I, uh, we got a sneaker unboxing this week. We're at 50 minutes, so this will probably end the podcast. I had other shit I wanted to talk about, but Miami really took uh, well, I guess I didn't have much to talk about. We talked about Miami. Um, I'm thinking about getting LASIK surgery. That's a thing, right? I have to go for a consultation. We'll talk about that more when I'm a little more serious. But, um, yeah, I wear glasses. Um, I have contacts in right now. I'm fucking blind as a bat, dude. Like, like, yeah, if my contacts fall out, I'm, I'm like Velma and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you know? And, like, I never wear my glasses because I'm fucking traumatized by them growing up. Like, I got made fun of um, from my glasses, and I just, I, I, I hated the way I looked, you know, I'm very, dude, it's, it's ridiculous, because glasses are cool, you know, you see these hipsters in Williamsburg, you see, um, you know, there's Clark Kent's, you know, looking motherfuckers with black glass, like, they're, they're fashionable, you can pull them off, but, like, I was so traumatized from wearing glasses growing up, getting picked on, and being, like, ugly, and, like, um, I hate, I can't wear my glasses, dude. And my mom would like force me to wear my glasses. Like she kept, she would, she kept telling me I look better in them. She like, she was like, you look better in your glasses. You should wear your glasses. You know, you look nice in your glasses. And it's just all lies. Like, like you could look good in glasses, but I don't think anyone actually looks better in glasses. The only way you may look better in glasses is if you're like, you know someone, and you've only seen them wear glasses for, like, 20 years. And then one day, you see them without their glasses. Like, what the fuck's wrong? What the hell is me? Put that shit back on, dude. What? But you're just not used to that person, you know? I don't think anyone looks better with glasses. I think just just, just a natural look at things, you know? I was, um... God, I don't know where I heard this. This might be bullshit, but, like, apparently there are some people, usually girls. Like, girls, obviously, like, when... when when they're looking for, like, you know, mates, they they want someone that can protect them, but also has, like, good genetics. And I read somewhere that there are some girls that, like, if you have bad eyesight, they look at, they look at that as, like, a strike against you because they think the kid might have bad eyesight. Is that bullshit or is that a thing? Would you date someone that has, gl- that has a bad eyesight? Because... I don't know. All right. So, um, <laughs> would you? Would you? Could you? All right. Yeah, getting LASIK would be fun. Damn, that'd be great, dude. Not having the fucking... There's nothing sadder than whenever I wake up in the morning. I'm just like, you know, you wake up and you have your nightstand. You just wake up like... <laughs> You're just trying to find your fucking glasses, you know? There's nothing more pathetic too, because sometimes I'll like I'll I'll take a nap during the day and I'll just fucking fall asleep and like, um, I have my glass. I'll just take my glasses off like on the bed. Like I I get too lazy to put on the nightstand, and then you wake up after your nap and you can't find your glasses. You're just searching around all like blind as a bat. Dude, the other day I was fucking looking for my glasses. I couldn't find them in the bed and like I was like um I was just dude I can't see and I was like asking 
Shivani. I'm like, Shiv, can you come help me find my glasses? And I'm like, oh, man, there is nothing less manly, right, than being blind. I guess Ray Charles pulled it off, but he didn't let it bother him. See, that's why, I, that's how you know it's all about confidence, you know? Like, you can be blind, you could have no legs, you could be, you could be like Peter Dinklage, you could have whatever physical um, defections, but if you're confident, it's no big deal. You know, Peter Dinklage is a confident guy, Ray Charles is a confident guy, he fucked a lot of people. Still blind, you know? Man, I, was, I, was, I wish I was confident. I wish I was confident. I wish I was confident. A confidant. All right. So let's do this. Let's get to the unboxing. I got to, I got to, um, I keep telling myself I'm going to stop getting sneakers, but, um, Instagram keeps showing me things and I keep fucking buying them. I'm going to stop for, I'm going to stop for real this time though. I, I, um, I always say that. All right. Anyways. So I got here, um, this is a, this is a, this is a this is a what do you call it? A little out of left field. This is a little bit different. Usually sneakerheads are big into like um you know, hype shoes, like uh collaborations like Off-White, Travis Scott, or just Nike Dunks or Jordans, Kobe's, right? Those are all the big things, right? Yeezy. But this one, I mean, semi collaboration, but this shoe um is a a retro of an OG from I believe 1986 or something. It's actually a tennis shoe, and um, it, it's it was a shoe that Nike made for the John McEnroe, and um, first released 1986, and then recently um, him and Travis Scott kind of did a campaign together to bring them back, and the reason why these got a little bit of hype they're not hype type they got a little bit of hype is because like there was a uh, Travis Scott was seen wearing them LeBron was seen wearing them the 1986 versions and it generated like a couple like you know you know obviously when these guys wear stuff people are like what the fuck is that and then it kind of generated some like nostalgia and then Nike obviously was probably like oh it's great like these you know these mega celebrities are wearing these 1986 shoes and now people are interested in them let's retro them and, you know, obviously it's capitalism, it's a money grab. But I will say this, man, like, um, when I saw the shoes on Travis Scott and LeBron James, I'm not going to be like, um, I don't want to be um, un, what's the word, transparent, or I don't want to be a phony. Like, I'm sure if they didn't wear them and I saw them, I wouldn't look twice. But they are a pretty cool looking sneaker, you know? Like, when I saw them on their feet, I did, I wasn't like, um, I didn't think they were ugly, you know, like I, I was just like, those look, those look interesting. I kind of like those. And, um, yeah, like they, they're a good looking shoe anyways. So, you know, I'm doing all this teasing, teasing, teasing the head, little edging. But what I got here for you today is the Nike Mac attack, um, the retro of the nineteen eighty six uh tennis shoe. Um it comes in this pretty um sweet box um of uh gray and like this red and blue. I like it. I like kind of like the 
these are some of my favorite colors. I like gray is one of my colors. Obviously, you can like you know these are my customs, right? I got gray and red and like mint. So we got this like light blue, gray, and a red kind of color scheme, which um, to me attracts my eye, right? And uh, apparently, this is like the way the box looked back in the in the eighties. So, um, I guess I'll just do this here. I gotta have to I'm gonna have to move my uh, my customs to the side real quick. So here we go. Let's unbox these bad boys. So first thing you see here is they got these, uh, I guess these shoe trees, but not trees. They look like um, toe protectors. I don't know why you would need that. I guess this is for tennis. If you put them, because like um, the shoe itself, which, you know, I'll just pull it out right now. So here we go. Yes. Yes. I got to say man, the pictures look pretty cool, but in person these are these are these are pretty fire, man. These are pretty fire. Um Yeah, I like these a lot. Anyway, so I don't know if you guys can see, but like the toe box here is mesh and it's very this very soft plush leather. So I'm assuming like this is supposed to like go underneath Make it a little more harder, sturdier, so, uh, I don't know, tennis balls don't hit your foot or, or, or something. Maybe it makes it easier, more, I don't know, a little more, little more protection on your toes there. So, yeah, man. What I like about this shoe is uh, I like the colorway, the gray, the black. It's very simple, um, easy to wear. And then on the tip of the tongue, you got, the like I said, the blue and the red. I love that. Um so there's just a lot of colors here, which means obviously a lot more outfits you can wear with this. And uh, yeah, I like I like I'm a big sucker for mesh on a shoe. And the toe box here has like this black mesh. And I love how like on the side it has this gray mesh. So it's like these two different panels of mesh, these two colors of mesh, which, you know, it may not be a big deal. But to me, I, I like um, I like it because it, one, it's like, it looks cool and I love mesh. So the, the more variety, the better, but it also shows they put some effort into this shoe, you know? Cause like, I would assume like when they make the mesh panels, it's just like the undercoating and then they put the leather on top to add support. But you know, if you have two different colors, that means you got to put two different like, uh, meshes on here, you know? Or maybe like there's just one mesh coating and then they just painted it differently. I don't know. But I love how there's two different types of mesh. The leather is super, super soft, man. I just got those Travis Scott uh, olive olive Jordans um, lows, and then um, it reminds me of that leather, like super soft, man, super soft. Nike has this tendency, especially when they like mass manufacture these new Jordans, they fucking make the leather so stiff, dude. Like they're brutal to wear. So yeah, the leather's super soft and plush. The mesh. Um, the bottoms are like, uh, they got this like Tetris thing going on on the bottom, which looks cool. And also I feel like would be, you know, give you good support on the ground, uh, maybe on the tennis court. That's, I mean, that's obviously what it's for, but I haven't worn them yet. Um, I always save, I don't wear the stuff until I show you guys first. Um, but, uh, I'm excited to try these on. I feel like they would be very comfortable, you know? Um, I stuck my hand in there. 
the side panels feel very cushiony and, and extra padded, you know, which is nice. Nothing going on in the insole. I'm not going to untie everything and, you know, waste your time like that. But it's just a gray insole in there. Nothing nothing special. And, um, yeah, let me pull out the, the other pair. The other pair, the other, the left. Same thing. Just super clean, super nice. I got them on eBay. Um, that's, that's the eBay authentic tag there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, one good thing about these is, like, it's always fun to, like, want a shoe that's uh, that's not that expensive, you know? So I got these for about 180 and uh, with, you know, shipping and stuff, it came out to about 200 bucks. They retailed for 120 And, uh, you know, Jordans are, like, $210 now, so... That's relatively cheap for a for a, for a Nike sneaker now, and um, you know what's interesting about the drop for these? So they announced them on um, online. They had a whole little campaign with John McEnroe and Travis Scott, you know, and they didn't release on the sneakers app. They didn't release on the Nike app. They only you were only able to get these through uh like tier zero retailers and. For people that don't know, tier zero retailers are like boutique shops that Nike gives like its most hyped um, shoes to. So they only got it. And then, you know, now that I look at like um, if I go if you go on eBay and you try to find like I, me trying to find my size was actually very difficult. Um, usually on eBay, you can find anything quick. Like I'm a size 11. Um, I couldn't. There might have been one size 11 that I tried to bid for, and then I got outbid. I lost that. Then I, I didn't see a size 11 for a few days. This is an 11 and a half, and I, I, there was only one. And then I put in an offer that I thought was pretty low, and the guy actually accepted it. So I was pretty happy about that. But, um, yeah, I feel like they did not make a lot of these. I feel like they kind of there – was, there's was limited quantities of these. And, um, you know – I haven't seen anyone on the street with a pair of these. Like, obviously, like I go online and I look at the Instagram pages for like the boat for the resale shops like Flight Club, uh, Clientel, District One, like you know these resale uh, stores, and I don't see any with these Mac attacks. Now, obviously, it's like it's only you know it re- it's reselling for about eighty to one hundred dollars more than what they normally cost. So that's you know you know for resale places, that's not a lot of money. So maybe they're not accepting them. No, that's not true. If you if you're about eighty, a hundred dollars over the retail on the resale market, people I feel like the still those stores will still take them. So I don't think they made a lot of these. I don't know what the exact stock number is, but I think they they, they made limited quantities of these. So and I feel like the people that want them I feel like the people that got them really wanted them, you know, because they're like I said, they're a retro from nineteen eighty six, so for a lot of fans of these, um, they're gonna keep them. So I would assume that in a few years the value will go up pretty, pretty you know, a good amount. There's not gonna be that much hype, but there's not gonna be a lot of pairs, especially DS pairs, because people are gonna people that want them got them, and they're gonna wear them. And um, yeah, I don't know how hype these will get. I think Nike is trying to bring them back. Like they made um, they did a collaboration with this boutique shop called social status they made a white and gray pair that like tears away and then it, like you can tear away some of the shoe 
and um, there's like a red undercoating. Um, and then they made another pair that that of that's white and red, but those you know the resale value. I don't think I think the white and red Mac attacks you can like if you you can still get them online for retail. Um, so if you like this shoe, um, this is sold out everywhere. I mean, like I said, this is really hard to find actually, um, even though it's not that expensive. But if you want a Mac attack for like retail, which is one twenty. Look up uh, Nike Mac Attack. I think it's Red Crush or something. And there's a bunch of shops that have them for, like, retail. And then the social status ones, they're sold out. But, like, you can get them online for, like, 150 160 bucks. you know. So, you know, in, in, in a world, I could see these being hyped. But you would just need more celebrity endorsement. But also, and then, you know, I think what they're trying to, that's why they made it so limited, these. Because they're trying to build the hype. And then maybe try to create a new like uh, silhouette that's like a dunk. But the problem is like, you know, you need bigger celebrity endorsement than like John McEnroe. You know, of course Travis Scott and Jordan Wurzen, but like, it's still John McEnroe's shoe and it's tennis. You know, so it's not that popular of a sport. He's a you know he's a big time. He's he's a great, but it's like obviously like not the level of LeBron or Michael Jordan. You know, or the fame level of like Travis Scott. So I don't know if these will ever get to like the. I guess what they're, they're may, maybe they're going to try to make him like the dunk, where the dunk is so like um, hyped up. But you know that that would take years and years. And um, yeah, I mean, even the dunk when they first came out, you know, they were sitting on shelves or going for like, you know clearance racks for like 30 bucks you know so i don't know but anyways i think they're dope and uh i hope you think they're dope here maybe i don't know if, how close i was able to get but i can maybe show you a little bit better of a it's a dope shoe i can't wear the wear them see how they fit and um yeah nike mac attack added to the collection i really really got to sell some shit there's a bunch of shoes it's funny, like, you want these shoes, and then you wear them a few times, and then you never see them again, and then you're just like, fuck. But, I, I you know, obviously, my my custom dunks, I love. I'm wearing them all the time. I feel like these are going to be a keeper, you know, because just like I said, it's black, gray, blue with some red hints. Goes with everything, and I just think they're a good-looking shoe. But who knows? You know, maybe I'm full of shit. In a few moments, I'm going to want to get rid of them. Anyways. That's uh that's kicking up with Camacho for this week, guys. I have not. I'm sorry. I haven't been sh um, wearing sneakers for the podcast recently. I've been kind of doing them like um during my like off hours during the day. It's like last week. I think I did it. Um, I had just gotten out of the shower and I didn't want to get dressed. Um, not that you're not worth it, but just I just you know I just I just wanted to be in slippers. And uh, this week, obviously, I'm in my parents' house. Can't wear shoes in a Chinese household, you know. Although, cut off your toes. I don't know if you know that. All right? But, you know, that when I was growing up, like, that was like a threat. When I was in, when I used to go visit my um, grandpa's, uh, grand, grandparents' house, there was a guy who had a house, um, like, a, na a neighbor, and the neighbor literally used to tell me that if I went into, because, like, he had this weird, in, in China, things are, we, like, grew up, like, my, my mom grew up on a farm. So, like, you know, all the neighbors and stuff, like, the, the houses are pretty open, right? Like, and they have, like, these sheds and shit. 
that just like wide open like anyone can just walk in like it, they may have a door but like you know they're like maybe they're just there's the security is not great out there right there's no fucking uh what is it AT&T that's a security no that's the cell phone service ADT there's no ADT you know but I was married I was a kid I'll be running around playing hide and seek and like you know whatever and um you know as a kid you're curious you're wandering around you're exploring and then like I went into his thing He's like little um, shed one day where he had, he had like a bunch of like um, religious Buddhist stuff in there. And then uh, I think he saw me go in and he told my grandparents, who then told my mom to tell me that if I went in there, he would cut off my hand. If I touched anything, he'd cut off my hand. So that's how different thing, things are in China. You know, that's how you that's how you discipline kids. You tell them you're going to lop off body parts if they fuck around. So in America... You can't really do that. And that's why we have kids fucking wiling out, shooting people. But you know what? That's a podcast for a different day. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Kicking It With Camacho. Like I said, get tickets to the special taping. Follow me on Instagram and uh, TikTok at Camacho Bro. Um, you see me on the road. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm coming all over the country. <laughs> I'm so... I'm such a child. I said coming all over the country and just imagine me just blowing loads in every fucking state, you know? Or just like, I just, I'm so dumb. I literally just envisioned me like next to a map of, of, of the fucking United States just blowing a wad all over the fucking map. Oh, I'm such an immature bastard. All right, guys. Oh, boy. Um, James Camacho, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you. I love you. And, um, you know, we'll be back next week for with uh, with another episode. Sai Adios.